0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast Channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church, or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or, you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, starts a brand new series entitled, Waits. All right, good morning, Faith Church. Great to see everybody here today. Hey, happy Father's Day to all the pops in the house, all of you watching online. This is your day. We want to thank you for your love and your sacrifice and your commitment and your dedication. The discipline that we didn't want, but you gave us anyways because we needed it. We love all of our dads. I want to give a big shout out to my dad in Akron, Ohio. Let's give it up for all the dads in the house. And let's give it up to the greatest dad of all time, our Heavenly Father. That's why we're here. Can we celebrate God just for a minute? Come on, church. Well, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. Just want to welcome all of you to Dad Fest. Hopefully, you got an opportunity coming in to stop by outside. If you didn't, stop by on your way out. Check out some of the rides. Check out some of the motorcycles. Grab some food and have some fun. But today, inside, we're starting a brand new series entitled Weights. And so as we jump into this, some of you guys know this, that weight has kind of changed over the years, especially when it comes to technology. Things have kept getting smaller, and they keep getting lighter. Some of you guys remember back in the day before, everybody had a computer. When I was in college, not everybody had a computer. We had a computer lab where you can go type up your papers. But most of us, like I had a laptop. It was called a typewriter. Yeah, baby. Like 50 pounds of pure steel. You would hear like in the dorm rooms when papers were due, you would hear late night, the clicking, click, 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 click. Well, that wasn't me. It was like click, click, (laughs) click. And when you messed up back in the day, like there was no backspace. You just had to rip the paper up, and that was it, start over. Unless you had a high-tech typewriter and you had the white ribbon where you could make corrections. Yeah, some of you guys had big money. But it just keeps getting smaller and smaller. I remember the first laptop I bought, it was kind of heavy. It was a 5-gig, 5-gig hard drive. Now I got terabytes of hard drive space. Stuff just keeps getting smaller and lighter and smaller and lighter. Televisions, that's another thing. Anybody here have one of those big rear mount, rear projection things sitting in your man cave, and when you moved, you didn't move it, not because you wanted to give the next family a blessing because it was too heavy to move, so you just left it there? Come on. Big screen TVs, old school big screen TVs and pool tables never move with people. We just leave it there, right? Technology keeps getting smaller, keeps getting lighter. Right now, we do videos on our, camera, or on our phones, our smartphones. You can grab it and just do some really high, uh, high-def videos, Back in the day, some of you guys remember doing like a video at Christmas, it was like doing like Channel 5 News, right? The camcorder, now you got tapes you can't even watch anymore because the technology's gone. I mean, that's just, how does things keep getting smaller and lighter, smaller and lighter? One of the places especially where things have gotten lighter is when it comes to um, sports, any kind of competition, uh, all the way from pads and football players, they've gotten lighter, Uh, technology's increased. So specific things, bikes and the Tour de France, you know those bikes for years just keep getting lighter and lighter. I come from the generation of the banana seat. Come on, baby. And the woo, yeah. You got the big orange flag and you got the, like you didn't ride like that, you rode with a dip because your handlebars were up. Back in the day, my bike, if it tipped over, it took like three friends to get it up because it was a steel frame. Then they moved to aluminum and then they, now carbon fiber. You can pick up a Tour de France bike with like one finger Why? Because, again, things just keep getting lighter. And here's why it's important, especially when it comes to sports, is because the less weight you carry, the more efficient you are. The less weight you have to deal with, the less weight you carry, the more efficient you are. So things continue to get lighter. It goes all the way down to running. We got any runners in the house? Anybody here like to run? That's what I'm talking about. We know what's wrong with you. I'm sorry. The rest of it, anybody here hate to run? Yeah, let's make some noise. Let's make some noise for being lazy. Woo! (laughs) But runners, those who are runners, and we celebrate the runners in the house, it's, it's, you know, again, you don't go running in chucks. You go running in chucks, you're not going to run very far. People get, I have a friend who does 50-mile off-road events. I don't like to drive 50 miles. He runs 50-mile off-road And when he runs, he wears these high-performance shorts. I don't even know what that means, but wears these running shoes. I'm telling you, pick them up, they weigh nothing. Why? Because he knows if he's going to run these long distances, if bikers are going to bike these long distances, that the less weight you have, the more efficient you are. And if you make sure you minimize your weight, you can go further faster. So with that in mind, as we launch this series entitled Weights, here's what I want you to know out of the gate is that the Bible compares our spiritual journey, our faith, our walking out of Christianity, it compares it throughout scripture to a run. Let me just give you a couple of examples. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says, for us that engage in this spiritual journey, it says they will run and not grow weary. So as you live out your faith, as you walk, again, we're not talking about a Sunday event. We're talking about a lifestyle as you live for God, as you walk out your faith, as you engage in your spiritual journey. The Bible says it's like a run. Here's another one in 1 Corinthians 9. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Come on, read this. So run to win. Everybody say that. So run to win. Engage in your spiritual journey with some intensity, with some intentionality. Here's one more Paul talks about sometimes when you struggle in your spiritual journey, you struggle in your faith. Notice the way he describes it. In Galatians 5, he says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? So if it's true that the less weight we have, the more efficient we are, and our spiritual journey throughout Scripture is described like a run. It's, again, when I talk about a run, I talk about our spiritual journey. Let me just be specific for a second. When I say our spiritual journey, I don't mean that it should be exhausting. I mean our walk with God. It should have focus and commitment. Like When I say focus, I mean our spiritual journey. It is the thing we do. When you see somebody out running, you don't question if they're running, it's clear they're running and they don't get off the road for anything. They stay on the run and as Christ followers, as people of faith, when you engage in your walk with God, like it should have your focus. And if anything comes and wants to get you out of your run, you put those things aside, but we run to win and it takes commitment. If we're gonna be successful, if we're gonna really reach our finish line, if we're gonna fulfill our race, it's gonna take a level of commitment, which means there's gonna be lots of distractions We're going to see today there's going to be lots of weights, lots of opportunities to trip you up, to stumble you up. But if you're going to run your race, if you're going to really walk this thing out and not just show up on Sunday, not just play the religious game, not just kind of have the jargon, but really who Jesus is and how we engage in our walk and how we live this life, if we're really going to do it, it's going to take a high level of commitment. And so here's the question I want us to think about as we think about our spiritual journey being a race, and the less weight you have, the more efficient you are. Here's a question What is the weight that you're carrying that is keeping you from going further, faster? What's the thing in your life? What's the issue? What's the thought? What's the habit? What's the thing in your spiritual journey? What's the thing in your life, your heart, your mindset? What's the weight that you're carrying that's keeping you from moving further faster? Because if we can minimize the weight, I know we can be more efficient and more effective in our walk and in our call for God. So we gotta find out, and here's what I want you to think of throughout this message, is what's your weight? What's the thing in your heart, in your life? What's the thing that's slowing you down? Because we all have them at times. What's the thing that maybe has got you stopped on the side of the road in your spiritual journey? Sometimes we face things that are so big, we feel like it disqualifies us from the race. So what's the weight? What's the thing? What's the weight that you're carrying that's keeping you from going further, faster? So with that in mind, I want to jump into Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews, this is what they say. I don't want you all to read this with me. Every voice, come on, this might be the only scripture you read all week, so let's do it loud and proud. Every voice, come on, read this with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We're going to come back to this first word in a minute because it's really a powerful word. But I want you to notice what the writer of Hebrews says. And again, we're going to see he compares again. This, we see it one more time, like our spiritual journey, our, our life of faith, it's a race. And he says, listen, I want you to strip off every weight That slows us down. This word strip off is really important because it means it's like putting on clothes and taking off clothes. Which means it's a choice. There's as we go through some of these things, maybe you're gonna think, hey, Pastor Steve, like this is just who I am. Like this is who I've always been. Like I've tried to change and I can't change, and I've tried to be different, and I just don't know if I'm ever gonna be any different. I want you to know the writer Hebrews, when he says, Hey, strip off, that it's not just a command, it's a command with promise that God can empower you and give you strength and God can give you hope to get rid of the weight that's holding you back, that's slowing you down, that's stopping you or disqualifying you. God is able to help you to strip off the weight. You got to take some stuff off. I remember when I was in elementary school, again, I'm from up north, up in Ohio, where weather can be rather inclement in the, in, in the wintertime. Like down here, you just hear we might maybe have some cold precipitation, and, like, the city shuts down. In the north is just, you know, we're used to it, and so you just kind of live life and make it happen. And we got a northerners in the house. Come on, y'all got to make some noise. We got a northerners in the house. Got a couple. But we love you. We're in the south. I'm one of you now. One of you now. Uh, but I remember growing up, especially when I was a kid, you know, you kind of hit that, hit that age, hit that time, like fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, where you're trying to figure out who you are and you want to be cool right and so i remember as a kid especially during inclement weather that my parents my mom especially would make us like i was one of the kids that was so bundled up you couldn't move right i mean coats upon coats and scarves and hats and especially the toughest thing to wear were were rubber boots (laughs) because there's nothing that says i'm not cool like rubber boots but because you know mom didn't want our feet getting wet and didn't want us getting cold before we would walk to school in the snow uphill both ways and six feet We had to wear our rubber boots. What made it worse was sometimes rubber boots were hard to get on over shoes. So my dad had this really great idea that at the time was horrible, but in hindsight, it's kind of genius. But in order to get your boot on and off a little bit easier, they would have us put bread bags on our feet and then slip the, listen, I'm just telling you it worked. but there's nothing that says I'm not cool like wearing rubber boots and taking it off and you got a wonder bread bag on your foot. (laughs) So what I would do is, a lot of times, I would after school, like they would make me wear them, but I would leave them in my locker and be like, "Oh, I forgot, Mom. I forgot. Sorry, Mom. I'm admitting this to you. I lied, like I forgot them, so I wouldn't have to wear them the next day, right? At the same time, so intentionally taking things off, I would put some things on. I'm from the Michael Jackson generation, when he was black. Come on, somebody. And he made he made parachute pants in style. Anybody here remember parachute pants? Oh, don't hate, because if I still had them and could still fit in them, I would be wearing them right now. Parachute (laughs) pants were just that. They were made of a parachute, thin nylon, and just had zippers everywhere, which if it's summertime or spring or fall is cool. But when you wear nylon pants, when it's 20 degrees minus five with the wind chill factor, it's cool in a whole different way. But here's the thing is, so the writer Hebrews is saying, hey, listen, all of us have weights. All of us have things. We have issues. We have situations. We all have weights that are slowing us down in our run, that are stopping us in our spiritual journey. And you got to make a choice to strip off every weight. Everybody shout, strip off. off. So here's some things we need to strip off. I think sometimes there are things we put on ourselves, things we allow in our thought life, things we allow in our nature and kind of who we are, like pride, I'm just telling you everybody needs to have someone in their life that can call them out of bounds. That can say that's off limits. And when you're too proud to ever be challenged, you can never admit you're wrong. It's probably going to slow you down. It's going to hit cuz there are times we're all wrong and we need somebody speaking truth to us. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's guilt. Like we're just carrying this guilt and this shame. Like we just feel like we just blown it and like that's slowing us down and it's a weight to you. It's it's heavy on your heart. And like this walk with God just seems too much. Sometimes it's like an arrogance. Sometimes it's lust. Like whatever it is, like all of us in this room, we have these weights and they, they come and sometimes it's not like a, a habit. Sometimes one of the greatest weights that I've experienced in my life are relationships. Relationships that sometimes we start hanging out with a certain group of people or we start dating somebody. Man, we were all about Jesus. We were all engaged in our run and then we started dating somebody or hanging out with somebody and all of a sudden now we're not running as fast and we're not running as consistent. And I'm just telling you that if you are in relationship with a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a girlfriend, If it's husband or wife too late, pray for them. But besides that, maybe you need to pray. Are they awake? And if they're awake, you need to strip them off so you can run your race further, faster. It's better without them than with them because here's what I know. God will put the right people, God will put the right job, God will put the right stuff in your life if you'll put your race first and put him first. And so sometimes it's not what we put on ourselves. Sometimes it's what other people put on us. Sometimes our weights are like lies, things that people have told us about ourselves that are not true. Where somebody said, you're not enough, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never make it happen. And like maybe it was said in anger, maybe it was said a lot, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a parent. And like those things, we start thinking about that and we try to live this life, especially when we try to walk out our faith, man, those lies come. And I'm just telling you, we have a spiritual enemy that is the best at getting us off our run, off our pace and off our track because he's a liar and tells us things that are not true. And Sometimes it's not lies, sometimes it's expectations because we all have people in our life that sometimes tell us what, we, what they think we should do and who they think we should be and what they think we should do with our lives. And all of a sudden, man, we feel like we got to please everybody and we're kind of stuck in this place of trying to run our race and make our friends happy, make our family members happy. And I love my parents, and they watch online. They're probably watching now, but they'll remember this. When I made a decision uh, as a young Christ follower to leave Akron University and go to Bible college, my parents were not for it. And I'm just telling you, as a young adult, I had the latitude to make my own decision. And had I listened to my parents' expectations, I would not be standing here. And I'm just telling you, some of you who people put expectations on you and put you in a box and they think they know you and they think they figured you out and said you can go here and no further, you can do this and not that, you have to choose to move beyond the lies of people, beyond the expectations that sometimes well-intentioned people put on us. And sometimes we got to stop living down to people's expectations and start living up to our potential as we run our race. Come on, everybody say strip off? Strip off. you got to strip it off. Sometimes it's your social status. Maybe you're someone important in the community. And sometimes because of that, you're put in awkward situations where you have to make faith decisions and you feel like sometimes those are compromised and that's a weight to you. Maybe it's your temperament. I mean, you just, maybe you've always struggled with anger or maybe you just kind of have this thing where you deal with certain addictions. I just want you to know that God gives us this hope that you can strip that off, that again, whatever's causing you to struggle and slow down in your race, you can strip it off. Maybe it's your occupation where You know, you're in a cutthroat industry that, you know, you live by how many sales you make and you feel like you got to undercut the person in the cubicle next to you. you got to lie to get the contract. you got to fudge bottom numbers. And you just feel that weight on you and you're a Christ follower. You're trying to figure out how does being a Jesus follower, how does my faith coincide with my occupation? And again, I'm just telling you that if you'll make your race the greatest thing, if you'll make your race your focus and your priority, I'm telling you God will bless you and do what he needs to happen to make your race successful. But in order for that to happen, he says, you've got to strip off every weight. So here's a, cra- here's a question. What's your weight? What's your weight? Every one of us in this room, we got one of these right here. I don't know why I picked the 45-pound plate because it's way heavy. Everyone here, we have one of these. This is how much weight I've lost in the last nine months. I'm, I'm looking for that chair. I'm just saying <laughs> carrying it feels very heavy. I'm sure I'm a little better off without this. Every one of you in this room, you got some weight in your life. You got some relationships, you got some habits, you got some thoughts. And if you don't recognize what what this is, it's gonna keep you from running further, faster. Some of us, we're not living the best because we refuse to let go of the thing that's holding us back. In fact, I would say it this way. Too often people let go of their dreams instead of stripping off the things that are keeping them from their dreams. It's like you got two things and you can choose Like, I'm going to be who God's called me to be. I'm going to walk on my faith. It's not going to make everybody happy. It's not going to please everybody. But I'm going to do what God's put in my heart. I'm going to love God with all my heart, all my mind, all of my soul, and all my strength. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to live this faith. And it might offend some people. And it might upset some people. And it might make some people unhappy. But I'm going to run my race. And I don't care if it means uh, letting go of other people, other situations. It means walking away from stuff. I'm going to let go of those things rather than letting go of my race and letting go of my call you got to choose. And some of us, man, we're trying to hang on with both and we're wondering why we're struggling in our spiritual journey. Notice what he says. He goes on, and this next part is huge. He says, not just to strip off every weight that slows us down. I want everybody here to read this last part, especially, y'all got to say these next two words, the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, here's what's funny about this. When it says the sin, a lot of times, when the Bible talks about sins, it'll say it in, in, a, in a plural sense, sins, and it's talking about like the list, like you have the list and I have the list, and the Bible gives us lists. You know, everything from rebellion to partying to to lying to stealing to you know vulgarity, whatever it is. Like there's this list of things that we know is out of bounds and off limits in our walk of faith. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's not talking about this vast list of things that dishonor God. Sometimes when the Bible talks about sin, it talks about it in the singular, but it's talking about it as kind of the global human condition, that we all have sin, we're all broken humanity, we all need a savior. But what I want you to notice here is the Bible says there's not just weights that slow us down, but the Bible says especially, everybody say especially, that means you've got to pay attention to this one because it's we all have weights, but especially, here's the issue that trips a lot of us up in our race, especially the sin. I mean, it gets right down to, and you got to ask, like, what's the sin? Like, I bet it's a dirty, dark one. Like, what's the sin? I bet it's a big one. I can tell you what it is, but I'm going to tell you this right now. I've seen lots of people fall to the sin. I've seen a lot of people start out in their spiritual journey, and they start running. They find out that there's a God who loves them. They surrender their heart to Jesus, and they start walking out their faith, and they love God. And all of a sudden, they struggle, and they trip up on the sin. You don't know what the sin is? Thus, sin is the sin of unbelief. See, what do you mean? I mean, the sin of unbelief is this, is that we believe our sin is too big for our Savior. We believe that our mess-ups is too big for His mercy. Because here's what I know is everybody in this room, sometimes we stumble and we fall in our race. Can I just get an Amen right there? And sometimes we believe that God doesn't love us anymore, that we're too shameful to run, that we've messed up too big this time, and we might as well get out of the race because we'll never make it. Anytime you believe you've disqualified yourself in the race, you've get, you've committed the sin. You've believed what you feel over what God said. And what God said is He loves you, you're His Son, you have grace that's more than enough, you have mercy that's new every day. And when you believe what he said over how you feel, you won't trip up over the sin. So it's like this promise, like, hey, don't ever buy the lie that you can't run. Don't ever believe if you fall. And Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, oh, righteous man falls seven times. Well, righteous people don't fall. Yeah, they do. Though righteous man falls seven times. You know what a righteous man does? He keeps getting up because he refuses to believe the lie. Here's what makes this verse really so powerful is this word right here, the very first word, therefore. Everybody say therefore. The guy who taught me early on as a Christ follower about reading the Bible, he told me this early on. He says, Steve, anytime you read the word therefore or wherefore in Scripture, you need to make sure you go back and read what's written before because the therefore connects it and gives what's about to come context. So with that in mind, before you figure out that all of us are on a run And there's weights that all of us struggle with. you got to understand that something came before this challenge. And some of you have been in church long enough, or maybe you grew up in church, you grew up in Sunday school, and you know what Hebrews chapter 11 is. Oh, Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith. got to say it like that too. It's like this this whole chapter, chapter 11, is about all of these spiritual giants, all of these significant somebodies in the Old Testament. And as I say some of their names, you're going to recognize maybe some of their stories. If you're new... Even if spiritual things are new to church, maybe you even recognize some of their names because their names and their champions of faith and they did great things for God. But here's what I don't want you to miss. As you read their names and you become familiar with their stories, it wasn't always about their success, but sometimes it was about their struggles. It wasn't always about that they raced and they ran great. It's about sometimes they struggle and they fell, but they got up and kept on running. See, in the hall of faith, there's people listed, for example, like Noah. You know who Noah is. Noah had faith enough to build a boat to make sure his family got on it before the flood came. But do you know Noah had a drinking problem? Did you know Abraham, the father of faith? Did you know he had a lying problem? Did you know Moses, the guy who led the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt, ultimately trying to get them to the promised land? Do you know he didn't make it because he had an anger issue? Do you know there's a lady actually listed in the hall of faith? This is her name. This is her title, Rahab the prostitute. I'm just telling you, if you're known in town as the prostitute, people aren't thinking you're running the race. But you know what she said? She said, that's who I used to be. You might define me by who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. I'm a child of God, and I'm going to keep running my race. I'm not going to believe the lie. God's strength is greater than my struggle. My Savior is greater than my sin. I'm not going to get hung up. And for some of us in this room, here's why it's true for you. is because you think just because you failed, you're a failure. I'm telling you, failure is an event, it's not a person. Just because you messed up doesn't mean you're messed up. See, all of us struggle, all of us fall short, all of us miss the mark. But we have to understand, again, it's who God has called us to be, so we're not gonna stop running. I'm telling you, that's just a weight. Guilt and shame is just a weight to try to get you to stop running. And you gotta run the race that's set before you. Everybody say, strip it off. So he goes on, he says this. The next part of this verse, come on, shout this with me. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Run with endurance. Here's what I know about endurance. Endurance is not natural, right? Nobody comes into this world with any kind of endurance. If you've not run in a long time, which by the show of hands earlier is all of us. If you've not run in a long time, you probably can't run very far. But you know what? If you'll commit to run a little bit every day, you'll be able to run further and further. Do you know why? Because endurance is built in a run. I've hated running truly my whole life. I hate everything there is to do with working out. Um, I, don't like, I don't like getting up early and, and working out. I don't like working out after work. Um, I don't like treadmills. I don't like cardio machines. I don't like weights. I don't like eating good. I don't like any of it. And the whole time in my head, I'm thinking bad things about why I'm doing it. <laughs> but here's the thing is, the more I do it, the more endurance I have. Like I've hated running my whole life. I remember back in high school, we part of gym class was every day when it was nice out, we had to go down and run the track. And we had a track... At our high school, four times around was a mile. Anybody remember running in high school? So this was the scheme we came up with. One of two things worked all the time. I know every day we had to run a half mile. I never ran the half mile, never, because we found out that if you run first out of the gym, the coaches bring up the like, the line. So if you run down and get to the track first and cut diagonal across the track, it cuts off like half a run, and it looks like you're finished in your first lap when the coaches come down, like coach. Or better yet, we got out and we just cut across and we'd hide behind a car. When the whole team would go down on the track, we'd go back in the gym and sit there and wait, throw some water on us, make it look like we were sweating. Because I hate running. So a friend of mine told me, as I'm trying to get in shape and I'm trying to do some stuff, here's what a friend of mine told me. He hated running. He said, Steve, here's what you do. He said, you're going to do better running. He said, you don't like running. I didn't like running. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, the first time you run, just run to the first mailbox. He said, second day you run, run two mailboxes. Third day you run, he said, try to do three mailboxes. I'm like six months in, I'm like up to 10 mailboxes. (laughs) I still hate running, but I can tell you the more I work out, the more endurance I have. And I want you to know this, in your spiritual journey, as you run your race, the more consistent you are, the more you do it, the more endurance you're going to have in your race. Anybody here remember the first time you prayed? Like, I mean, you come to Jesus and they give you like a list that you need to start reading your Bible, you need to come to church, you need to pray. And it's good, you need to pray. And nobody really tells you how. So the first time you sit down and you close your eyes, anybody remember it? Like I was old enough to remember, and you pray for everything you can think of, and you pray for like the birds, and you pray for the president, you pray for your mom, you pray for the test at school, and like you opened your eyes and like 37 seconds had passed. And it felt like forever, and you hear people praying for 20 minutes, you're like, I could never, like, I could never pray for 20 minutes. Anybody here remember the first time you gave and you put the money in the bucket and you pulled your hand out and the money was still in your hand because you didn't want to let go? You know why? Because you don't have no endurance to give. You don't have no endurance to pray. I'm telling you, the more you serve in your spiritual journey, the more you put yourself second and put others first, God gives you endurance to love people and God gives you endurance to serve. The more you give, God gives you endurance to be a giver. The more you pray, I'm just telling you the truth, the more you pray, the more endurance you have to spend time with God and not get bored, and not get distracted. The more you do the things that God's called you to do in your spiritual journey, I'm just telling you, God builds an endurance in you. Sometimes that means forgiving people. Do you know why it's hard for you to give, forgive people? Because you have no endurance for forgiving. You know why some of you are grudge holders and you're unforgiving? Because you don't do it. You don't. You don't work it out. You don't let that thing work in your life. So when something happens, someone hurts your feelings or offends you, you hold on to it because you have no endurance for forgiveness. Here's what I found: the more often you forgive, and the quicker you give, the easier it's easier it is to forgive when you need to. Like you can just let go quicker. And so it's this challenge. He says, "I want you to run with endurance the race that God." has set before you. Again, this is easy, but the challenge is like, again, here's a question. What is the weight that's in your life that's keeping you from running further faster? Again, for a lot of us, man, we can quickly identify it. We know the challenge. We know the issue. We know the relationship. We know the habit. Again, sometimes we just want to give up. It's easier just to disengage. It's easier to throw in the towel than to keep running. I remember... I was at a service about, uh, about 15 years ago. I was, it was the last church I was at as a youth pastor, and there was a, a, a guy, he was in, my, in our youth group. He, had, he was older now. He's about three years out of high school. His name was Ronnie Winters. I hope Ronnie's watching this. And Ronnie was a young guy, man, and, and everybody knew there was something different about him. Everybody felt like, man, this guy's, he's really called to ministry. Like, you could just see it on his life, but he struggled with doubt. He struggled with insecurity. He struggled with whatever issues he was dealing with that felt like disqualified him. And so he was running from the call. He he wasn't running his race. And I'll never forget, we're in this service, and it was a pastor that was there that night, and Pastor Coletti called Ronnie up to talk to him and to to minister to him and to pray for him. And during this time, I'll never, ever forget what Coletti said to Ronnie, because it rings true at times in my life, and maybe it will ring true in your life. As he tried to figure out who he was and what he was supposed to do, this is what Coletti prayed for him he said this over Ronnie, who are you to disqualify him who God has qualified? Who are you? Who are you to disqualify? He whom God has qualified. What he was saying was listen, Ronnie, if God said you're called to ministry, if God has a race for you, you can't say you don't have a race because God's words are higher than your words. And sometimes we talk ourselves out of the race. Sometimes we give up the race. Sometimes we walk away from the race because of hurt and disappointment and shame and guilt and sin and all the mess. And the Bible's saying, listen, if you'll recognize what it is and you'll cast it off, if you'll get rid of it, if you'll put it away, you can run your race further, faster, but you gotta strip it off. Everybody say that. Strip it off, you've got to put it aside. So he goes on. The verse continues, says this: We do this. We run our race. We cast weights aside by this, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. There's two reasons. This is what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying: If you're going to run your race, you got to decide what you're going to focus on. In this word right here, to keep your eyes on Jesus, what it means is, is to put your eyes on one thing at the exclusion of something else. It means there's more than one thing to look at. You've got to choose what you're going to see. And you can see your disappointment and your failure. You can see your struggle and you can see your sin, or you can keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's why it's a great idea to keep your eyes on Jesus. Number one is because he refused to meet the expectations of everyone else in his life. Some people only wanted him to be a carpenter's son. Some people only wanted him to be a a prophet. Some people wanted him to be a king before it was his time. Some people wanted to kill him and execute him. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I know what my race is and I refuse to live down to anybody else's expectations. I'm gonna be who the father sent me to be. I came to be the sacrifice of the sin of the world, not a prophet and not a king and not anything else but a sacrifice. And he kept his eye on the prize. You know what the prize was? You know what the joy awaiting him was? The joy awaiting him was you and I being with him forever and eternity. That's why he died, to save us. He kept his eye on the prize. So not only is he a great example, but number two, guys, this is is so big. We can do it because he can do it. See, the same Jesus who's an overcomer lives in us. See, the promise we have is this. As Christ followers, it's not this objective faith that's just out there somewhere that when you really engage in a relationship with God, That the power of the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your life. In the struggles and the weights that I deal with and that you deal with, God's saying, listen, you don't have to deal with that on your own. Because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, because he who is a conqueror lives in us. So you can overcome. So whatever your weight is, I'm telling you, God can help you overcome it. Whatever's slowing you down in your spiritual journey, whatever's tripping you up, God promises the ability to put that thing aside. Not just because we have the example of Jesus, but because we have the power of Jesus working in our lives. He goes on, he says this. He says, think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And then this last verse, we're almost home. It says, everybody here, I want you to read this. It says, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. You know what he's saying? He's saying, so this idea of running a race, it sounds good, doesn't it? Like, I can do it. It's like, I can, fi- I can figure out what my weight is, and I'll put it aside. I'll figure what I'm struggling with, and I'll cast it aside. It sounds good until you leave here to go do it. It's one thing to talk about getting away from relationships that are holding you back until it's time to move away from the relationship. It's one thing to deal with habits that are holding you back until you actually have to deal with the habit. What he's saying is, it sounds like a good idea. People love the, people love the results. We just don't like the progress. We don't like what gets us the results. We don't, we don't like the, right? We don't like the habits that get us there, like weight loss. I love the results. I love when the scale moves down. But when people say, you can't eat donuts, I'm like, what? Say what? Like it was National Donut Day. I gotta eat a donut. When people say, you gotta work out. You gotta do this. Like, I don't like, I don't like the process at all. But I love the results. If you want the results of really living a race and running your race, you got to fall in love with the process. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes choosing to walk away, choosing to let go, choosing to engage in a new life, choosing to have different habits, different lifestyles, different ways of thinking. What the writer's saying is sometimes it's going to call your man card and check. Oh, you really want to run this race? You just want to talk about it on Sunday or you want to be about it? You just want to show up on Sunday and sing about it or do you really want to live it? Because if you're going to live it, it's going to cost you something. What's the weight What's the weight you're carrying that's keeping you from running your race further faster? See, again, to talk about stripping weights off, man, it's easy. But to change your life, to get new habits, to invite new relationships. See, that's why we do small groups here at Faith Church, because we want you to have relationships in your life that will help you run your race. So what's your weight? What's the thing that's holding you back? What's the thing that's slowing you down? What's the thing you feel like has disqualified you? I want to pray for you. God's going to help you know what it is. It's not romantic, stripping them off. It's part of the journey. And I believe with all of my heart that the greatest thing you'll ever do is run your race, is to really live this faith out, is let it define who you are, how you think, how you live, how you treat people. Again, it's not a Sunday morning circus. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle to run your race. So Father, God, I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would just be here in this moment. That God, you would show us, Father, the things in our lives that are slowing us down, that are holding us back. God, I pray that you would reveal the weights in our lives that are keeping us from running further, faster. Lord, I pray especially for the group here that maybe have disqualified themselves with the race because the shame was too much or the guilt was too heavy. That God, somehow they believed the sin of unbelief. God, they bought into, God, that their sin was too big for our Savior pray every person in this room would know that we're called to run the race, to live our faith and to strip off anything that's holding us back, that we can run to win. And Lord, I pray if anyone's here who hasn't started their journey yet, hadn't begun the race, has never said yes to your love, I pray God right now, Holy Spirit, you move on their hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just as before we get out of here, I want to give you a chance just to say yes. You see, what starts our spiritual journey, what begins our faith is a moment in everyone's life where they have to say yes. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need a savior. And yes, God's grace is enough for me. See, the Bible says we're all sinners and Jesus came to be our savior. He came, he died. He took our punishment. He took our shame. He took our guilt. The Bible says when we put our faith in Jesus, that that's what makes us saved. That's what makes us God's kids. That's what starts our journey. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to God's grace, you've never opened up your heart, I want you to know no matter where you are, what you've done, where you've been, God's grace is enough and all you have to do is say yes. For all the dads in the house, I just want to say this especially to you, that the greatest thing you can pass on to your kids, memories are great and an inheritance is wonderful, but the greatest thing that you can pass on to the next generation, the greatest gift you can give your kids is the example of a well-lived life of faith. So if you're here, dad, and you've never said yes, Today's your day. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, as I close this in prayer, if you want included in this prayer and you want to say yes to God's grace for your life, you want to say yes to his love, I want you to lift a hand and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today I want to say yes. All across this room, if that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high so I can see you. As I close in prayer, I'm just going to believe God's going to meet you where you are. Come on all over this room, lift it real high. Come on, men and women, boys and girls all over this room. If God's pulling on your heart, it's a great opportunity to slip your hand up. Just leave it up for one minute so I can see you real high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Several hands. The Bible says if we'll say yes, just say yes to him, man. He loves you. If you'll say yes, he'll forgive you and he'll meet you right where you are. So I want to lead you in this prayer If you lifted a hand, I want you to pray this with me, and we're going to pray together. Every voice in this room as we close, say, Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died for me. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Be my savior and help me to run my race well. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Can we lose our mind for about six or seven people in here? Yeah, come on, guys. We celebrate every one of you that just said yes.